Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, The Testament of Jesus, the Coming Messiah, presented by Pastor Alan Moss on April 9th, 2017. So, uh, this is kind of on short notice, but, uh, you know, it's it's easy to, to preach the Word of God sometimes. You know, and uh, especially today, you know, today is Palm Sunday and we're going to kind of talk about that little video we saw kind of goes right into the message of Palm Sunday and what we're really going to talk about. And uh, you didn't get notes today because our, our printer messed up. Uh, so you guys are going to have to listen <laughs> instead of sleeping. You got to listen today. But uh you know, let's talk about Palm Sunday. What exactly is Palm Sunday? You know, what it really is, is is a parade. You know, if you think about it, that's what happened on the original Palm Sunday. That's why they call it Palm Sunday, is because they put the palm leaves branches down to have a parade. How many go to a parade? How many like parades? I love parades. You know, one of my favorite things in, in a parade is making sure I stand in front of some little kids so they can't see. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> teasing. Uh, but I love parades, you know, because it's, it's everybody's cheering and everybody's smiling and having a good time. And, you know, you see these things come through. And it's awesome to watch a parade, I think. I really do. I think it's fun. Uh, I think the best parade I've ever been to, of course, is Disneyland Parade. You know, if you've never been to a Disneyland Parade, go to see a Disneyland Parade. It's pretty cool. Uh, you get to see all your superstars and all your favorite people sometimes, and that's pretty awesome. And that's kind of what we're talking about today is is Palm Sunday and what it really means. Because it was a parade, but it meant something totally different. You know, and we're talking about, in that video, a king. You know, and that's why they had this parade, was for a king. But we're going to talk about the difference between the real king and other kings. You know, if you if you open up your Bible, I want you to go to John chapter 12, verse 12, and it should be on the screen here in a minute. Uh, but in verse 12 of John chapter 12, it says this, The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. And we'll go back to that here in a minute as well. In verse 15 it says, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, setting on a donkey's colt. Now, let's kind of go through the first phases of realizing the difference between the real king and kings of of the times and even today. You know, the first thing we kind of see in here is is there's three things I think we're going to talk about. Number one is the entrance. The entrance of the king that came in that day. You know, he came in with palm trees down, with the palm branches down and people cheering. Not much different from what they would do today in reality. 
Now, kings back then, you know, if you think about it, the word king is kind of tossed around a little bit, kind of lightly, but we're talking about royalness and all that type of kings. Now, if you stop and you think about kings, what are some of the first people that come to mind? Come on, spit them out. If I say king, who? Elvis. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> that's good, Carrie. We didn't script that, by the way. <laughs> but, but you know, when you think of kings, yeah, you think of king. You know, Elvis was the king of rock and roll, I guess, yeah. You know, some of the other kings you think of, you know, is... Uh, I think LeBron calls himself the king. Is that not right? LeBron James, King LeBron. You know, he's a king in his mind, you know. So you kind of think of that, you know. And then when you think of kings, you think of, you know, first one that came to my mind was King Arthur. Oh, was it? Okay, well, King Arthur, you know, and some of the famous kings of old, you know. But they all had one thing in common, just like Jesus actually did today. They all had an entrance See, when they entered somewhere, it was royal. It was a spectacle. You know, people lined up and cheered. Even today, if you think about it, you know, we still have some kings even in today's world. But we also have, you know, queens and rulers and presidents. You know, but if you think about all that, how does a president go into a town? Does he go nice and quiet? No, he has an entrance. You know, and people are lined up and they're cheering or booing or who, whatever, but they want to see this guy because of who he is. You know, so it's kind of the same way that, that way. Now, the kings back then all came into a town in the same way. Most of them came into a town, you know, fully armored up on the biggest, best looking horse you could get. You know why? Because it showed power. You know, the king wanted to make an entrance with power. I'm the guy. I'm in charge. I'm the king. I need to be ruled. You know, I'm your ruler. You serve me. You worship me. You cheer for me. That's how I'm going to come into a town. And that's what they did. You know, they came into a town usually riding a... Super beautiful, white or black, big horse, because it showed power. And they always had their armed guards with them. You know, their best soldiers, you know, riding along right behind the king. That's how they came into a town. And if you think about it, it ain't a whole lot different today. How does a president go into a town? He's got that beautiful Air Force One, big 747. You know, all the big rulers of, of the earth today even drive, have all their own private huge planes, you know, that they fly and they come in. And if you ever noticed, all these planes are always have, what do they have with them, Matt? They have jet fighters following along with them. That's their guys. That's their guards. And then when they land, they get out, people are cheering, they have this big entrance, and they still have armed guards around them, don't they? You know, and people are dressed in uniform and they look beautiful. They make an entrance. What's the difference here? Let's look back and see how a real king, the real king, entered. 
It says here that Jesus went and he found a donkey. And he got on that donkey and rode into town. Now that's not real powerful, is it? How many stories have you read about Calvary guys on a donkey in a battle? None. You know, the donkey is a symbol of of peace because they're pretty mild. They're stubborn, but they're mild. And they're also a symbol of meekness compared to the horse. There's no power involved at all. But that's how Jesus made his entrance. And he did that for a reason. See, Jesus didn't want to come in like the other kings. He didn't want to come in with power. You know, the people wanted him to come in with power. They thought that this king was going to come in and destroy the Roman Empire. That's what they thought. And why were they so excited at this time? Because, you know, he had just raised somebody from the dead, which was unheard of. So, you know, so these people are thinking, oh, my gosh. He is now going to show his power. He's going to come through this town and he's going to just deliver us and he's going to wipe out our enemies and he's going to make this grand entrance. So can you imagine they laid all these palm branches down and they look up and here he comes on a donkey. I can imagine the people right there saying, that's him? Are you sure that's him? I'm sure somebody said, I hate that. Whoops, uh uh-oh, lost my earpiece. (laughs) Are you sure that's Jesus? You know, probably people had to take two and three looks. Yeah, that's him. I saw him before. That's him. Why is he on a donkey? You know, they they couldn't figure it out. But that was Jesus' entrance. He had to do it that way. Because, see, Jesus' plan, God's plan was a whole lot bigger than just destroying the Romans. That wasn't God's plan. Might have been man's plan, but it wasn't his plan. And Jesus chose that symbol to ride in on, to make his grand entrance on, to relay a message that I'm going to set my kingdom up with love and peace and meekness. And that's what he did. See, he had another reason to do that. His plan was a whole lot bigger than our plan. You know, and sometimes we kind of forget that at this time, Jesus knew what was going to happen in just a few days. He knew that the same people that were cheering him along this road that he had to smile to and wave to and talk to. He knew that in just a few days, they were going to be the same people that were cheering him for a totally different reason in a totally different way. Now, how many kings do you think would go into a city, even today, if they knew, I go into this city, I've only got seven days to live? Do you think they'd avoid it? You think they'd say, you know what, that doesn't look good on my calendar there. Switch that. I don't want to go there. But Jesus didn't. Why? Because his 
entrance was all about love and serving. You know, and it was predicted. You know, we sometimes think, well, are you sure Jesus knew? Well, of course he knew. Go back to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and listen to what it says. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So it wasn't even a full-grown donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His domination shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. See, it was predicted that he would come into this town at this time this way. It was already foretold. But as we sometimes do, we forget stuff, don't we? I mean, we have the finished book and we don't live right most of the time. At least I don't. Because we forget what was predicted, what's going to happen. And they did too. Because they were so blinded for this grand entrance of a king that was going to deliver them, destroy their enemies, that they forgot that this was predicted to be this way. Right here. You know, a second thing that kings all have in common, you know, today and back then too, uh, they all have a mission. You ever notice that? They all have missions. Oh, well... You know, my mission for my presidency or my kingdom is this. You know, a lot of times they, you know, and there's nothing wrong with some of their missions. You know, their mission is to to make sure that their country is the best. You know, but a lot of times their mission has more to do with them than it does the people they represent. They want to be remembered. You know, what's my mission? My mission is to do this. My mission is to make us great. My mission is to, you know, be the richest kingdom in the world. Even back then, they all had missions. You know, the Egyptians had a mission. Their mission was be the best, the biggest and strongest, you know, uh, nation at the time that they were around. I mean, they're still around, but you know what I mean. The Roman Empire. You know, the Roman Empire had a mission to rule the world. You know, Genghis Khan wanted to rule the world. They all, that was their deep down true mission right there. You know, even into, you know, newer times. You know, you go to World War II. What was Hitler's mission? He wanted to rule the world. And that, that wasn't that long ago. Even today we have people that want to rule and that's their mission. They want to take over everywhere, and they don't care how they do it. But that's their mission. Jesus had a mission too. But his mission was different. Once again, his mission had nothing to do with military might. Had nothing to do with how good the economy is. Had nothing to do with ruling the world. It had everything to do with love and serving. That was his mission. 
And he proved it over and over and over. Even, even right here. You know, he comes into town and, you know, he's, he's riding on a donkey and he knows what's getting ready to happen. He knows this is the beginning of the end. He knows in seven, in less than seven days, he's going to be taken and beaten and killed. He knows all this. Why? Because that's his mission. His mission, he knew, was to die. That was it. And what did he do between the time he rode into town and the time they took him in the garden? He loved and served. That's what he did. Some of the same people that he knew that would cheer him in a few days in the bad way, he healed and he talked to and he loved on them all the way up until he was taken. If you remember the Last Supper, what did he do? He loved his disciples. He taught his disciples and he served them. How did he serve his disciples? He washed their feet at the Last Supper. And I'm going to tell you the truth. That's not fun. Washing somebody's feet is not fun. Especially back then. But Jesus, without any hesitation, did it. Because his mission was to love and to serve. Even in the garden, when they arrested him, you remember what happened? What did Peter do? Yeah, he took a knife, he cut off a God's ear. And what did Jesus do to that guard? Did he look at him and say, ha ha, you know, you mess with me, see what you get? Yeah, you'll never be able to hear again. No, he loved that guard. And he served that guard. He healed him instantly because that was his mission. See, we sometimes wonder what our mission is. A mission can be a lot of things. But the main thing, it's what God's calling you to do. That's your mission. And, and whether we want it or not, or whether we like it or not, we all have a mission. We just got to figure it out. Now, one way to figure that mission out is do exactly what Jesus did. Have an entrance. I know you're saying, what? But see, when Jesus really entered that day, you know what he was really entering? He was entering into doing his Father's will. He was entering into a relationship with his Father so strong, he was going to do his Father's will. That's what we need to do. We want to know what our mission is? Well, we first have to enter into a relationship with our Father. And we have to do His will. We have to have an entrance. An entrance into God's family. An entrance into giving up to Him. If we do that, our mission will be revealed to us. 
you know, sometimes just like a president, you know, uh, or a king, we want our missions to be grand. You know, we want our missions to be great. But just like then, God has a bigger plan. Maybe your mission's small in your eyes. Maybe your mission is just being a good friend to somebody. Maybe your mission is being a good parent. You know, maybe your mission is, is working with the youth, working with the kids, doing uh, music, doing sound and videos. Maybe your mission is just greeting people. Maybe you've been called to the mission field. But all of those are missions. It's up to you to figure out what your mission is. But the only way to do that is put your pride behind, enter into a relationship with God, have that entrance, and then ask Him, what's my mission? And then don't be afraid to follow it. How many people do you think, if you told them, hey, you got seven days to live, their mission would change. You think that your mission might be one thing, and then you're given the news, you got seven days to live. What do you, I bet your mission changes, doesn't it? His didn't. Why? Because his mission was the same as his entrance. It was love and serving. That was his mission, to love and to serve. He loved us so much. He came from heaven. He took the oneness of God and said, I will go down and become man. That was out of love. Where did he serve? He served us by getting on that cross. What a great act of servant. And he knew it. He knew before he stepped out of heaven that this day would come. He knew that he would ride in on a donkey. He knew people would be cheering him like crazy. He knew that. And he knew those same people would later spit on him and mock him, throw stuff at him, whip him. And he knew he would one day spread his arms up and say, I love you this much. Out of serving us, he died on the cross. That's him serving us. Why? It was his mission. That's all. He followed through with his mission. That's a real king. That is something that we should worship. But he didn't even want us to. He wanted to serve us. You know, lastly, kings, they all have, and I know you guys have heard this, and I, I, I'm the least, I don't like getting political, but you guys have heard this all the time, every election, you know, and every kingdom in the world, they all want to leave a legacy, Right? I mean, you've heard, oh, that's my legacy I want to leave behind. 
When I leave office, this will be my legacy. When I leave my throne, this will be my legacy. Now, if you don't think all the kings of all the past want to leave a legacy, go look around the world. What do you think the pyramids were? They weren't built by one pharaoh. They were built by several. Why? Because they wanted to leave their legacy. All the stuff in Rome, the Colosseums, they all wanted to leave their legacy. Oh, this will, this will make me be remembered for all time. You can go anywhere in the world, and, and all most kingdoms, they, kings wanted to leave a legacy. They wanted to be remembered more than the guy ahead of them or the guy that's going to come next. That's what they wanted. They wanted that legacy, man. Look at our calendar. If you don't know what I'm talking about, a calendar, you know, July was named by who? Julius. August was named by who? Now, didn't Augustus come before Julius? But Julius wanted to be first, so he put July ahead of August. I want to be remembered first. That's my legacy. You know, that's a lot of pride and ego, isn't it? You know, the pyramids, well, you know, so-and-so only made a 100-foot pyramid. I want 150. You know, I want a 200. Well, I, I want to make something different. They all want to leave a legacy. No matter what time period, they all want to leave a legacy. Even today. You hear presidents leave office. Well, this will be my legacy. This this act of whatever I'm doing will be my legacy. Well, you know what? Jesus wanted to leave a legacy too. His legacy is a little different. How many people, how many kings, how many presidents, you know, if we really stop and think about Palm Sunday and what it means... How many rulers and presidents and kings would have said, I want my legacy to be being spit on and being mocked and being whipped and being nailed to a cross and having a crown of thorns thrown on my head and being stabbed and being killed? That's what I want my legacy to be. You know any? No. Nobody wants to be remembered that way. Jesus did. Because you know what? His legacy has nothing to do with him. It's us. We are his legacy. He died for us. He took all of that for us so we could be his legacy. When we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, we join a, an exclusive club, I guess you could say. But we have a legacy at that time of eternal life with the King, the real King, the only King. His legacy wasn't about power. It wasn't about might. It wasn't about pyramids. It wasn't about acts. 
It wasn't about, oh, I want to be remembered being greatest of the great. No. His legacy was the same as the other two things, to love and to serve. And we're it. Because that's who he loved and that's who he served, was us. You know, I kind of think sometimes, you know, if, if, if a president or a ruler or anything like that, you know, knew that they only had seven days, what would they do? You know, what, what would those seven days do? You know, I started thinking and uh, I started thinking, man, what, what would, you know, the president of the U.S. do or what would the, you know, uh, the queen of England or, you know, the, a, a king of a country or, or a ruler of a country, what would they do if they really knew they only had seven days left? You know, would they, you know, I kind of think they would, you know, I hope I'm wrong, but I kind of think they would maybe invite a lot of the rulers from the world you know, for a big party to kind of go by and tell them, you know, how great they are and how much they're going to be missed. You know, would they do that? You know, or, or, or would they maybe have all their people come by and tell them how much they love them and cry at their feet and tell them, oh, we're going to miss you so much because you're so great? You know, would they do that? You know, or, or would they really spend the time making everybody better around them, serving someone. Would they do that? I don't think so. You know, I, you know, I thought about it, you know, I mean, I didn't know I was going to do this message till last night. So I, late last night, I was thinking about it, and I thought, what would I do if I really only had seven days, and I knew it, what would I do? And really, I didn't have a whole seven days because he didn't have a whole seven days. But if I had all seven days, what would I do? You know, and I hate to tell you, I was a selfish little jerk. <laughs> you know, I started thinking, what would I do? Man, live, I'd want to go see this, and I'd want to try to go see that. And, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have that bucket list. You know, you hear guys with, or people with bucket lists, and I'd do everything on that bucket list. You know, and I started thinking about that. What would be my bucket list? You know, and then I, I started reading, and I said, wow, that's, that's pretty, pretty hard. That's pretty selfish, you know. Because what did Jesus do? He loved and he served. That's all he did. He served. Would I do that? Would I spend my last seven days Serving a stranger? Would I spend one of those days serving a stranger? Would I want to make their life better in those seven days? Would I take somebody that hates me, that's going to put me on that cross... Would I take the person that's going to drive the nails in my hand? Or would I take the person that's yelling from the crowd, crucify him? Would I want to make their life better? Would I go to them and put my arm around them 
and say, I love you. I want to serve you. I don't think I would. I hate to say it, but I don't think I could. But that's why he's the real king. Because not only could he, he did. See, once again, he loves and he serves a real king. A real king that thought he was less worth than us. A king that was part of God. He thought he was less important than us. So he made us his legacy. This week, as you guys get ready for Easter, just ask yourself three questions. What's my legacy going to be? What am I really going to be known for? What am I going to leave? And then ask yourself what your mission is. What's my mission? If you know your mission and you're not doing your mission, you best be doing it. Ask yourself that. What's my legacy? What's my mission? If you don't know, that's fine. But then ask yourself, have I made an entrance? Have I entered into God's family? Have I really, truly ever accepted Him as my Savior? Have I opened my heart and said, God, I finally see what you did for me. And it was all about love. And it was all about serving me. Do that. Ask yourself those things. And then when God tells you, do it. Follow through. Have the courage that Jesus had. He knew he was going to die following his mission, leaving his legacy, entering that city. I don't think we have it that rough. But what is your legacy? And what is your mission? And have you ever truly entered into Him? Your life will change. But you got to do it first. This next week is a, is a great week. Because we know the end of the story. See, we have the opportunity to do it at the time they didn't think they did when he died on that cross all hope they thought died with him everybody's hope whether they wanted him to overthrow the empire or whether it was one of the disciples all their hope left 
They thought their mission was done. We know it's not true. So ask yourself those three things and then act. Follow your mission. Leave a legacy. But most important, enter into His kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we we look at you and we just are in awe sometimes of the love that you've given us. The way that you served us is beyond anything sometimes we can imagine. I don't know what it would be like up on that cross. I don't know what it would be like walking through a city, being cheered one day and spit on the next. But Father, you did that for us. You made it your mission. You wanted to give us eternal life, a legacy of a golden mansion in heaven. And all we got to do is is enter into you. Open up our heart. Enter into your family. And we know we have that forever. Lord, we thank you for always reminding us that it's it's not a show of power that's important. It's the love in your heart. It's the way you serve. Father, I ask you today, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, let this be the day that they enter into your kingdom. That they make an entrance. Because when they enter into your kingdom, the angels are rejoicing. There is palm branches on the street. because they know somebody's coming home. Lord, I also ask that if there's people here today that that do know you, but they're just struggling with finding out what you're calling them to do, their mission in life, just let it just just let them give it to you and say, "Father, show me what my mission is." And then give them the courage and the strength to act on it. And Father, let let us realize that our legacy here, not necessarily with what we build, how much we have, who we know, it's about who we love and who we serve. As we come to you and we play some music, Just let anybody that wants to respond, respond. Somebody will be here to meet them. In a few minutes, we're also going to take our offering. We ask that you bless that offering to go to your work, to benefit your kingdom, so we can love and serve so many more. 
We thank you for this day. And we thank you for what it represents. And we thank you for what's coming up and what it represents. We give you all the glory and honor and praise in your precious son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.